Alright everybody, welcome, welcome back to the podcast, um, obviously with the vacation weeks, um, the number of questions were very low to non-existent for a few weeks, so um, wasn't much to talk about, but we got some questions now, so um, let's, let's kind of get into it. Um, I haven't listened to a recent podcast, and maybe you've addressed it, but I love your thoughts on why KMI has underperformed WMB so, so much, just so much. Uh, I think the simplest answer is uh, Kendrick Martin has a little more ex- uh, exposure to oil uh, than Williams. Williams is basically a natural gas transporter. Um, Williams does have some energy and some CO2, uh, which makes them price sensitive to those commodities. So um, I'm thinking that's a little bit why, um, you know, Kinder Morgan is owned by Richard Kinder, for lack of a better word. He's by far the majority shareholder, uh, chairman of the board kind of thing. So, um, you know, I, I think they should be valued relatively equally in myself. Uh, I own plenty of both myself and I'm very happy adding more at these levels when I can get seven, eight to 10% dividend yields entering a stock um, in companies that are growing uh, and will be increasing those de- de- uh, dividends over the years. Uh, I'm thrilled to be able to do that. I mean, if you think about it, if you can earn 10% on your money each year, you know, right, so figure you're buying them now. So seven and a half to 10% of your money every year, just in dividends. I mean, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to build substantial wealth pretty quick. Right on dividends alone, you know if you're earning ten percent, your money's going to double in seven years, um, and that's assuming the dividends don't grow, right? Uh, you know Williams is committed to growing the dividend, you know double digits every year. Um, you know you add a ten percent dividend increase every year, your dividends. You know if you compound that, Jesus Christ, your dividends increase about a hundred and twenty percent over seven years. A hundred percent over seven years, um, not seventy percent like you do the simple math. But if it's ten percent of a dollar, it's a dollar ten. The next year, ten percent's eleven. The next year, ten percent's twelve cents. So your actual um, dividend, uh, it, you're actually doubling your money in seven years on just a dividend alone. That um, has nothing to do with the price of the stock. Uh, so I think that's an important thing, and, and most I think most long term investors really don't give dividends the appropriate attention they deserve especially you know some you'll find stocks that are yielding 10 15 percent but usually those are stocks um where the stock is collapsing you know it's it's a it's a dividend based on prior quarters dividends right the dividend yield and typically what you find out when stocks are yielding like that you know they're going to just cut the dividend and that's usually what happens uh, it's different in these situations because they are they, these companies are all self-funding remember Williams and, and Kinder Morgan are basically self-funding operations, not using capital markets or debt at all. They're paying down debt, um, and they're self-funding their operations. So that dividend is rock-solid safe. And you can make the argument that when they get to the acceptable levels of leverage, which they're both saying about 4 to 4.3 times, um, then there's room for share buybacks or even larger dividend increases at that point in time. And I think that's when things start really getting interesting. Now, is that going to happen this year or next or the year after? I don't know. Um, but they're definitely heading in that direction. Uh, they're both right around that 4.3, 4 to 
between 4 and 4.5, 4.3 seem to be where they want to be at. Um, they're both hovering around that space. Obviously, quarter to quarter kind of varies. Um, but I think when they get more uh, clarity and, uh, you know, obviously the COVID-related shutdowns sort of, you know, level out and things like that, or the fall comes, we don't have another massive uh, mistake on the government by shutting everything down. Um, I think that, uh, you know, in a couple of years, you'll start to see uh, either much larger dividend increases or buybacks. And, you know, either one is good, right? The buybacks are great because then the stock price is going to go up. The dividends are nice because your yield goes up. So you win-win either way. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's that's my take on those two. I have no problem with one underperforming another during any specific time period because that's that just seems, it seems to be the way it works, right? Um, but, you know, as long as KMI is putting up numbers... As long as they're doing the things they want to do, I'm I'm very happy to hold them and be collecting the dividends like we are right now. It's, it's um, it's a nice way to ride out marks like this. You get that, you know, ten percent or seven and a half to nine to ten percent annually. Sometimes in some cases more. You know, some of those purchases we bought in Williams and Kinder Morgan, uh, the yields at the time were ten to twelve percent. Um, I mean, you know, a twelve percent dividend, you know, you double your money in six years. So, um, it, it's just something to think about. Um, what do you think the possibility of pass of of a pass uh, next economic stimulus plan, infrastructure plan? How do you plan to play on them? Uh, so it's an election year, right? So in an election year, one has to think there'll be another stimulus going through. Um, I don't know. A lot of it depends on what form it takes, right? So my hope is that they don't keep doing this $600 weekly payments because uh, if you talk to any small business owner, talk to any business owner, uh, getting people to come back to work right now is difficult. I was on two conference calls today, and the number one complaint the business owner had was they can't get people to come back to work. So when you read things in the newspaper about the unemployment rate being 20%, it's complete and utter bullshit. It's an artificially high unemployment rate because of the money the government's handing out. Do the math. In Massachusetts, you get 50% of your base pay on unemployment, okay? So if you're making 75 grand a year, you're going to make 35 grand a year on unemployment. Now, at a $600 um, unemployment benefit, right? And that's another $31,000 a year. Add the two together, sixty-six grand a year. That's what you're making on unemployment in mass doing nothing right now. So unless there's a part-time job or unless there's a, a tw- you know, $20 an hour jobs are make, make, make less money right now than being on unemployment. And until that dynamic changes, we're going to see. So here's what happens. It's a vicious circle. You have people being paid to, paid to not work. So they make the economic decision. They stay out of work and collect unemployment in the 600 bucks while it's available. Well, what happens? Well, small businesses suffer. They don't have employees to service their customers. Small businesses are closing. Well, now those jobs are disappearing. So it's a vicious circle in that people don't work, businesses close, businesses go under, less jobs. People not working, less jobs. So then when this, eventually this $600 a week crap is gonna stop, and as soon as it does, the people have to go back to work. They're going to find out that a lot of people aren't going to have jobs to go back to. And that's been my fear 
about what's happening and fear about Q3 and Q4 all along. So, I mean, what does the government do? Do they do, you know, do they extend the 600 bucks a week until the end of October or middle November past the election, right? So let's, let's, let's buy people off for the next six months, for the next, what is it? Uh, half of July, August, September, October, one week, November. For the next two and a half months, just buy them off. Um, I, I could completely see that happening. Uh, and that's not a Republican or Democrat comment. That's a politician comment, right? You got an election coming up. You want to have people in a comfortable situation. Or if you're the opposing, you want to have an uncomfortable situation. So if you're the incumbent, you're going to want to pad their pocket. If you're the other side, you're going to not want to. It's it's politics 101. It's the way it's always been. So um, I, I, I do think they'll pass something. My hope would be... If they're going to continue these weekly payments that they reduce it from 600 to 300 or something, uh, you will see a surge of people going back to work when that happens, right? Because then now all of a sudden the, you know, you go from, you know, I can make 65 to 70 grand on unemployment to 40 to 45 on unemployment. Well, there's a big gap of people who make between 50 and 70 grand a year who now it's economically not viable to be on unemployment they'll go back to work. Believe me, you're going to see it. I, I talk to small business owners every single day and they all have the same complaint. I can't get people to come and work. It's not business. It's not the number of customers. It's I can't get people to come back to work and I don't know if I can run this business without these employees. Bottom line. So, and this is, this is the, this is the hazard of, of paying people not to do something. They will take your offer. Why go to work for $40,000 a year now and you get, get paid, even if you're not collecting, get paid, even if you're $100 a week, unemployment benefit, you're up to 700 bucks with the, with the thing, that's 35 grand a year. So if you're making 35 to 40 grand a year, right, why go off unemployment? People are probably doing side things off, off the table collecting 35, 40 grand in employment, make another 10, 15 grand in some side hustle for cash, they're doing fine. They're doing better than they were before. Give me one reason why they'll go back to work. Doesn't make any sense. They won't. And they're not. So, uh, regarding Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, do you think we can get litigation settlement and stock relisted before election day? I, I, we won't get the stock relisted before election day. I, I see very little chance in that happening. Um, as long as it's in conservatorship, I don't see the stock being relisted on New York Stock Exchange. Um, litigation settlement, different story. I could see it happening. Uh, I think now that the Supreme Court's agreed to hear the case, um, I think the uh, largest risk now is on the government's plate, right? So if you're the government, you've won a lot in court, Supreme Court's going to hear it. Uh, if you lose and you're the government, you've taken a winning hand. Now it's a losing hand. You've lost before the Supreme Court. Every other court will follow it. Uh, it's it's a pretty devastating thing. Um, so I I still I still haven't come on. That's why I haven't posted much on it. I still really haven't changed my mind on this. Is a lot of what we're hearing is just noise, you know, potential valuation or this or that. At the end of the day nothing happens until 
this, this, the, the law, law, shareholder lawsuits are put to bed either by the Supreme Court, which says you can't sue, get out of here, um, or settlement. That's pretty much... That's pretty much everything, you know. I, I'm not worried about recapitalization plans or things like that because like I've been saying the whole time, it's all just guesswork right now. It really is. It's all guesswork. Um, until we know what a settlement looks like, the terms of a settlement, anything after that you're just guessing at. You know, depending on the terms of the settlement are going to dictate how any sort of restructuring plan is done or re, re um, recapitalization plan the GSEs has done that's all going to be dictated by in large part in the terms of any settlement so um, you know it's a, it's a nice activity and you know you can do them a different one every day in the blog and get some hits and comments on it but it's just it's just an exercise in guesswork at this point in time I've been saying that for two years and probably even longer um, and I still believe it so at the end of the day it's all about the litigation um, you recently sold some positions due to concern about the economy situation and researchers of CV-19. Could we use tail hedge to hedge our positions instead of using cash? Yeah, see, so here's the thing. Here's, this is the way I look at stuff like that. So, so I didn't, I want to be clear that I did not sell positions um, due to any resurgence in COVID-19. Um, my belief is that the damage caused by the shutdowns far outweighs any benefits. The politics around the shutdowns is blatantly obvious, and it's clear that there are conflicting um, forces here running the shutdowns. For New York State is a perfect example. You know, New York State is allowing any protests or demonstrations of any size but six people in a bar can't order drinks unless they buy food. It's just, it's moronic is the only way to describe it. Absolutely moronic. There is no rhyme or reason to it. No thought behind it. They're bowing to this um, special interest group, that special interest group, that special interest group. This group can congregate. This group can't. These people can. These people can't. If you're trying to control the pandemic, you have one set of rules. You don't have shifting rules of who can do what, who can't do what. Because what happens is people just start ignoring them all. We're going to have 50 people over in my backyard. Uh, we're just going to call it a protest instead of a cookout. The police come. We'll just make a couple signs. It's, it's complete and utter. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. Yes, cases are spiking. It's because it's a virus. You cannot outrun and you cannot hide from a virus. If we had not shut everything down, we would be where we are now back in J May and June. We would have gone through where we are now. All we are doing is prolonging and dragging out the process. We are solving nothing. We are saving nobody. We aren't. It's my, I had a boss. It was great. I had a boss once, and I think I've shared this story before, that you know it was a sales job and you know people would do things in the set when when you're when you weren't selling right when you, you were in a dry spell you weren't selling people would end up doing a lot of things to make them feel like they're doing something instead of just basically picking up the phone cold calling getting out on the road talking to customers they'll sit in the office and they'll 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 download lists or they'll shuffle paper but i had a boss she's called goes that's mental masturbation it's doing something 
to make yourself feel good that's really not effective or really not accomplishing anything. And that's what these shutdown things are, this stage one opening stage. It's all mental masturbation. Either you lock people in their rooms or you don't. And at the end of the day, the reality is that if you're under 70 years old, this virus is no more dangerous than the flu. And in fact, I saw a stat of the day, more people under 70 have actually died from the flu and pneumonia, not COVID, from the flu and pneumonia this winter than COVID. All we had to do was isolate the elderly people. And what we ended up doing was isolating the elderly people and then sending sick people, sick people to the nursing homes, which caused catastrophic results. And this is not a Democrat, Republican, this is a politics thing that these states that locked it down and are dragging out. The, once you let people out of their houses, having lockdowns is meaningless. People are out circulating around. The, the virus is going to spread. You cannot stop it. Wearing a mask doesn't stop it. Washing your hands. I can wash my hands, walk out of a restroom, come and contact someone in the street that has it, and I catch it. All right, so it's just... I understand it's a little bit of a rant right now, but when you watch what's happening, and for those of you who, who know small business owners right now, and you see what's happening out there, it's frightening and it's scary and it was it's completely unnecessary completely unnecessary the death rate from this covid thing is 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 it's collapsing every single day the more we test the more real more we realize how 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 less dangerous this actually is than what we thought it was cdc recommend uh, estimates about 20 to 30 million people have come in contact so far which makes this only slightly deadly than the flu as that number goes up of people being contacted and people not dying the death rate is going to fall if you're over 70 if you have a, a, a slew of medical conditions yes this is a very dangerous thing like the regular like any virus would be at that age is could this be more deadly yeah okay but that's why we should have isolated the elderly people only Canceling schools. I mean, think about it. We have a whole generation of kids who just lost six months of education. And don't give me any bullshit about old remote learning. I witnessed remote learning at a very, very good school district. Probably one of the best in our state, if not the East Coast. It sucks. It sucks. Compared to real classroom learning, it sucks. If you're a college kid, that's one thing. Because college, you do most of your learning on your own anyway, right? You go to a class, you pay their lecture, you go and you learn. That's still happening. High school, eh, okay. Below ninth grade, remote learning is a useless exercise. Kids didn't learn anything. And now we're talking about continuing that in the fall. We're going to have a generation of kids that basically skipped a year from school. To basically put their entire developmental learning on hold and boy here's the best part but we're still going to pass them all to the next grade and oh yeah you're going to be you're going to be held responsible for learning at a, and reading writing arithmetic at a level of those higher grades but you're completely completely unprepared for it i could go on for an hour about this um i'll save you the i'll save you um but it's, my opinion, is these shutdowns, we will feel the damage of these shutdowns for decades. Not the virus. 
because trust me, we have these things every three to four years, whether it's SARS, uh, you know, COVID-19, you name it. There'll be another one, and we'll forget about COVID. It'll be in, in, in the background. But the damage done, the lost learning, the, the businesses that have been destroyed that will never come back, the families that have been destroyed because their their, their, their sole source of income, their family bits that they've had for generations, is now gone. And there are countless examples of that across the U.S. right now. That'll be felt for decades. And, you know, politicians walking around like they solved anything or they just, it's disgusting. It really is. I'm sorry, but I, I it's, you know, once, once you go, once you go from saying everyone has to stay in their house and we're going to find people for walking on the sidewalk to allowing mass demonstrations at will or even minor demonstrations at will whenever they want then the point of locking, of shutting anything down or not allowing a business to open defies any basic logic. Even a four-year-old knows it's stupid. And for our politicians to sit on TV saying they're not going to, they, they're going to require people in a bar to buy food, right? This is, this is what Como did in New York. You required people in a bar to buy food to be able to sit in the bar and drink. So what do restaurants do? They're charging a dollar for a bag of peanuts, Right. Meanwhile, there could be 75 people on the sidewalk standing arm in arm singing Kumbaya. That's okay. But if Tom and his wife want to go have a drink at a bar, they have to order food, wear masks and sit six feet apart. It, again, stupid on every level. No common sense. No rhyme or reason to it. Two groups of people 10 feet apart, different set of rules. And we're, oh, the virus is spreading. Well, no shit. No shit. So then the restaurants just bond by selling bags of peanuts for dollars. Now Como says, I'm going to shut them all down. But you can still go protest. You can still go march in the street. You can still have these large gatherings if you want to protest whatever you want. That's fine. But you six people, if you're in that bar drinking, we're going to arrest you. Again, explain to me the logic. Explain to me that helps the spread of the disease. I'll stop it. It doesn't. It's a politician feeling like they need to do something or have a policy so when people could say, oh, the virus is spreading, say, this is what we're doing. It is mental masturbation 101. So, so <laughs> back to the tailhead. Sorry, I, I apologize for that rant, but it's just, it's been brewing for a while. And I, as I watch these policies get unfolded every day and I watch what's happening outside in reality in the real world the problem is most of our politicians have never had a fucking job in their life that's why that's the problem that's one of the biggest problems yet lifetime politicians who haven't even run a fucking taco bell and this is no insult to taco bell owners making decisions on businesses and in the economic of economic outcome of the country and, and it's just a bad idea they don't know what they're talking about they don't know what they're doing and they're making decisions for political points, not for actually what's best for, for the underlying economy. And the, the, the state governors are, are walking around thinking they solved the problem because, you know, their state hasn't collapsed and GDP is fine. And, and you know, the only reason that's happening is because the government's trolling out trillions of dollars. When that stops, the economic wreckage these governors have, have, have caused in their state is going to be laid bare. And it, I, it, I think it's going to be really ugly. 
And that's why I, I sold some positions. And that's why I currently have the largest cash holdings I've had since the since 2008, 2009. I've never had this much cash as I do right now. That's the reason why. I've had close friends who had very successful businesses who were, who were two weeks ago who were ready to declare Chapter 11. Very successful businesses. We're, we're a week or two away from the going, going Chapter 11 because of the policies of the governor of the state of Massachusetts. And it's no different than any other state that has shut, shut things down for a prolonged period of time. They are destroying the economic base of their state, which is small business. Um, using tail hedges, you know, I know people. A lot of people like to buy puts and things like that. Uh, I could be wrong, right? So, play this out. You know, we I sell a bunch of stuff and I I, I buy a shit ton of puts on the S and P or whatever. Think it's going to drop down, and I'm wrong. And stock market keeps going higher. Well, now I've actually lost money in all these puts. My favorite hedge, to be honest with you, and this is just the way I'm wired, is just having cash. Because if here's I, I sold some positions. If I'm wrong, and the market keeps going higher and recover, and the economy, you know, it dips but doesn't stay dipped and recovers quickly and everything's back to normal in six months. Well then I'm still going to make money. Maybe not as much as before. And of course, that depends on the uh, results of each individual stock that I'm buying. But I'm still going to have money. I'm not going to lose money on my head just because it's cash. If the market keeps going down, I can I can buy more if I like at even cheaper prices. You know, if, if Kinder Morgan got back down to $10, $11 again and I could get a 12% dividend, I'd buy it all day long. Same thing with Williams. If that dropped back down into the teens again and was yielding 10 12%, all day long I would buy it. So cash is my hedge, is that it gives me the opportunity to um, react to the markets when prices get where I want them to. You know, I, it doesn't cost me anything to have that hedge. You know, I'm not going to make money off the hedge if the market's dropped. You know, I, I don't know. It's, I've always just used cash as a hedge. Um, you know, I, I've tried, you know, puts and things like that. And, you know, it just, I, it ends up being more expensive for me than if I had just done nothing and sat in cash and picked up some stuff cheap. Now, if you want to sell some puts, you know, think about it this way. Play out what I just said. You know, if Kinder Morgan dropped between 10 and 12 bucks a share and was yielding 10 to 12%, would you buy it? Yeah. So sell a put. Sell $10 puts or $12 puts in Kinder Morgan every month, all day long. Right? I like that as a better hedge. I'm going to get paid no matter what. If it drops to that price, I have the cash, I buy more. I would do it anyway. So why not have your hedge be selling puts in stocks at prices you'd be happy to buy them at, collecting that money each month, collecting money on your hedge. If you're wrong... The market goes higher. You still collect your money. If you're right, the market drops. You you collect money and you buy stock at the price you want to buy it at. I, for me, the way I operate, that's a far better way of doing it for me than 
buying puts on an index or something like that and if you're wrong you lose money at least in the selling put scenario if you're again but you have to be highly confident in the stock you want to buy right but if you're highly confident in buying a stock and you're going to buy it anyway why aren't you selling puts in it every month i mean why it's like it's basically like looking at somebody and saying you know, Kinder Morgan's at 17 bucks a share. If it ever hits 11, I'll buy it from you. I, I promise you I'll buy it from you. But you got to pay me X amount each month for that promise. Right? Who wouldn't do that? So, that that's how I look at that. Um, what are your thoughts on Brookfield Properties? I, agree, I agreed with not buying into them when they purchased GGP years ago, given that they didn't seem to have a lot of growth potential. But now they're yielding over 12% of the seemingly well-diversified Class I real estate portfolio. Um, yeah. I'm, again, so going back to the previous question, I'm, I am concerned about commercial real estate. Um, Simply because, you know, heading into this, valuations were high. I don't think we were in a bubble, but they were high. They were stretched. Um, the fundamentals for a lot of that office space, you know, I'm not one of those. Um, there's a lot of people out there calling for, you know, a collapse in commercial real estate and all this kind of shit. Um, I'm not of that. I don't think we're going to have a collapse in commercial real estate, but I do think we could see a number of years of flat to marginally declining results. And I do think, you know, there are going to be a lot of um, companies that are going to look to downsize uh, their office space. Um, Like I said before, there are companies uh, that are going to decrease their physical footprint and go more virtual based on COVID. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of disruption in the commercial space. So I think they have severe macro headwinds. You know, I like Howard Hughes because Howard Hughes controls where they, where, where Howard Hughes owns property, they control it. So in Houston, in the Woodlands and Bridgelands, they control the commercial property expansion. So they control inventory. So if they see some people downsizing, they're just going to stop building and they'll, they'll retain their rent at where they are, right? Because they can control the, the, the build out. If they see continued demand, they can keep building. So having that monopoly where they operate, I think gives them some cushion. But a Brookfield property that doesn't have, I mean, I'm sure they have that in some of the locations, but the majority of the locations, they don't have that. Um, I think they're more exposed to general conditions and they're a global company too. So don't forget, you know, Brookfield, they have, they have, they have properties all over. So you're not just looking at the U S when you're looking at that portfolio, you're looking at other companies, the other countries they have holdings. in. so, um, you know, I think, so here's what, so I think when it comes to that space, I wouldn't be investing in it now, but I would be watching it because there is going to be a fall. There always is. There's always going to be a shakeout. Um, and there's going to be some good companies that shares are going to get killed. They're going to get bought out or you know, there's going to be opportunity um, in the space. Uh, I just think it's too early for that. Again, my, my whole uh, concern 
is really Q3, Q4, second half of this year. Um, you know, I wouldn't even say necessarily August. I would say starting September. Um, you know, you got uh, uh, commercial rents people are behind on, people behind on the mortgages, people behind on credit card payments, people behind on residential rents. Uh, you know, when this 600 bucks week runs out end of this month, if it's not redone at 600 bucks, even if it's ratcheted down to 300, uh, you're going to see it going back to work, but you're also going to see some stress or you're going to see spending decrease dramatically. Um, I mean, think about spending right now. You have, you know, again, you make 20 bucks an hour, right? That's 800 bucks a week, 40 grand a year. You're laid off, you're collecting 20 grand, you're going to collect another 30 grand in, in government aid. You're making more now. If you're making 20 bucks an hour, you're making more now in unemployment than you were working. Okay? But people have had their people, that's per, this person who made 40 grand a year, had their life set up on $40,000 a year income. Now, now they just got a 20% raise. 25% raise. Okay? What, what, and, and, you know, they've been locked inside. So the people have been spending that 600 bucks. We know from the data, the majority of them have not been paying the mortgage, paying the rent, paying their credit cards, making their car payments, right? We know people are behind on this stuff. So we know they've been spending, not paying bills. So you're going to have a double whammy in Q3. If that 600 bucks a week, say it's reduced to 300. So a 50% reduction in that to people. Now some are going to have to go back to work, but now they're going to have to, back pay some of the stuff they haven't been paying or fold it into their existing contract, which means their weekly or monthly costs go higher for that contract, whether it be a mortgage or a lease or whatever it might be, which is going to extract more money out of the economy each week. So either way, there's going to be a, a sharp adjustment to spending. I think, I think, um, so for things like Brookfield, I'd be waiting for Q3, Q4. I'd be waiting for the, for the government support to be withdrawn and wait and see what the economy actually looks like. I have a feeling it's going to be significantly worse in some areas than it is now. I think we're kind of living in la-la land thinking it won't be and looking at the numbers and, oh, okay, you know, it's everything's coming back. Everything's coming back. Well... It's coming back because there's a lot of money going to people's pockets each week that wasn't there before. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, KMI WMB, if Biden wins and Dems get control and they pass a big green bill, do you look at Kinder Morgan and Williams as good long-term investments? The market seems to have negative reaction to Buffett buying Dominion natural gas. That's, I thought it was a good sign. He finally put money to work and bought that gas. So, um, yeah, let's say they pass a big green bill. At the end of the day... Um, the U.S. economy cannot function without natural gas. That's, that's the bottom line. There's not enough land for solar panels or there's not enough water for, you know, unless they figure out how to harness the ocean tides, which they haven't. There's not enough water running in lakes and rivers to use hydro. There's not enough batteries that they can produce. I mean, so... You know, at the end of the day, they want to go electric. Well, how do you go electric? You go electric, solar, wind, hydro, or natural gas. Those are the three clean sources. Natural gas is 60% of all electric production. Coal is, I think, actually, that's not actually true. Um, 
Natural gas just passed fifty percent the last few years. So say it's at fifty five, coal's probably at forty five, ten percent are all the renewables. So there's no situation where natural gas is not the dominant energy source of the U.S. for several years. Um, you know, ironically, um, despite what people want to say about energy stocks and Republicans and things like that, um, if you look, I think the energy stocks tend to have their best years under Democrat regimes. I don't know why that tends to be, but they do. Um, just a thought. Um, I think maybe the market, regarding the whole Buffett thing, and this is just my speculation, I think the market reacted negatively to that um, because of the valuation he got on it, number one. Um, and I, I just think that when Buffett buys energy, the market doesn't care. You know, he was in the Occidental for a while and, you know, a big run in that. And, you know, the other stocks, you know, they reacted quickly, but, you know, came back to earth pretty quick. Uh, you know, he's been one of the biggest energy players with the, um, the energy company he bought years back. And it just, it doesn't really matter to the market. Unless Buffett buys financials or a conglomerate, you know, like a Hershey's or something like that, it just really doesn't register with the market anymore. Um, you know, a ten, even a $10 billion buy by Buffett, you know, that's, what was it? Seven, six percent of his available capital. I mean, it wasn't. You know what I mean? If he had made a fifty billion dollar acquisition, or, you know, took thirty percent of Exxon or something like that, that would have been a bigger deal. But, I mean, a ten billion dollar deal for a guy that's got you know, hundred and twenty plus sitting there waiting. It's it's not. You know, it's weird to say, but it's not a massive purchase for him. Um, and that's that's. I mean, that's just my guess as to why that would or would not have happened. I don't. Um, I don't profess to have any inside knowledge of that. So, but um, yeah, that. So I mean, that that's where I am with that. Um, there's some new stuff I'm looking at. Um, I think we're seeing. I I think we're going to see, at least for the next several years. I think people are going to significantly change how they do things. Even talking to people I know. You know, I don't want to... look. So there's some things to avoid right now. I don't want to have anything to do with the airline industry. I don't want to have anything to do with the cruise ship industry, the resort industry, the entertainment industry. I think those areas are going to be negatively affected for quite some time. Um, I do think even when we get out of this, I can see a scenario where places are just have to voluntarily limit participants, you know? Um, you know, the state may say, you know, one has to wear a mask, but you can only have X number of people square foot. So you can have casinos who, you know, maybe they packed in 5,000 people on a Friday night, now pack in 2,500 or three because they have limits on the people they can have in a room. Um, I can seriously think, see things like that happening. Uh, you know, there was conference that we were supposed to go to that was just canceled. Um, you know, they usually have four to 5,000. They sold tickets to 1,200 people. Um, I, I can see that happening to that industry, to those industries. Um, so people are still going to vacation. So if that's true, right? So if I'm right, in the traditional vacation, so your resorts and things like that are going to suffer 
for several years, either decreased capacity, which would mean decreased results. You know, growth will probably go screech to a halt for a lot of these places. Uh, the cruise ships are probably going to end up, you know, lowering significantly the number of cruises they run, right? Um, I mean, so if that's true, I don't think those people are just going to sit home. So what are they going to do instead, right? If you're not going to go to a, a resort on an island because A, you're scared of the sanitation procedures and B, you're scared that, shit, I don't want to go somewhere right now and they close down my state and I can't get home. Or I got to sneak across the border to my own state or something like that. Um, you know, what are people going to do? So I have a theory of what they're going to do and what they are doing. Um, and I have a new buy coming out. It'll be out by next Friday um, in that space. Actually, I think I might, there might be a couple buys in those spaces um, because I do think people are still going to vacation. People are still going to do the things they want to do. They're just going to do it differently for a while. Um, and I think there's some places that can really uh, benefit from that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, uh, but you guys can look for that. Probably the tail end of next week, um, a couple new buys, and I, I do think that, um, I do think that these are positioned a for new trends in people's free time, and I do think that these companies uh, survive any sort of economic slowdown. Um, that we might have Q3, Q4. I, I don't know. I go back and forth. So, but that's where I am right now. Um, so, uh, should be by the end of next week. I should be. I still have a couple things to dig into on them, but um, I think I'm at a good spot with where I think I want them to be. So, um, and I don't know. And maybe, maybe what I do is I just maybe instead of buying them, if I'm still concerned about Q3, Q4, I just start buying. I just start selling puts at certain prices and. I get it I get it if I don't I don't kind of thing so I don't know we'll see I haven't made a concrete decision yet so um, that's all I have for today with the questions please keep sending the questions in it um, I, it makes these a lot uh, more interesting I think for everyone when I'm answering um, answering the questions you guys are asking versus simply just getting up here and just talking about what I feel like talking about uh, any given week I think it just makes it better for everyone so that's all I got. I uh, hope this was informative for you, and I'll talk to you soon.